0: Hello, and welcome to White Homework. This is a podcast designed to inform, educate, and restructure community into unlearning racism. Join our host, Tori Williams-Douglas, as she gives deep insight into the history of racism in America and how we can dig ourselves out by becoming vocally anti-racist.
1: All I right. Sweet. Hey, everybody. Welcome to class. Thanks for joining me on White Homework, a podcast about race, racism, and restorative justice. I'm Tori Williams-Douglas, and my co-host, once again, for this episode is my very funny and lovely sister, actual sister, Alice Hamilton. Alice. Tori, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. What black shit did you get into? Oh, I haven't been doing black shit. I've been playing The Sims. I don't know if that's... I think, I think quarantining is our black shit right now, (laughs) like not going in public. Yeah. hiding from the racists.
2: All of these protests, just a sea of whites. I'm not seeing a lot of diversity in these lockdown protests.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the data says too, actually. So it says that the people who are are protesting are not, they're not protesting to go back to like their office jobs. They're protesting it's, for us to go back to work. Yeah. It's cute because you
2: can tell that for all of them, this is their first problem.
1: <laughs> Shit.
2: <laughs> they can't get a haircut and they're like, this is this is, this this
1: is this, this, a this, constitutional this crisis. <laughs> it's the steepest hill they've ever climbed. <laughs> all right. Um, so you know what we need to talk about is um, the idea of having... A black friend. Have you have you ever been someone's black friend? I'm sure you Um, haven't.
2: Oh Jesus Christ! That was my entire upbringing. Just a just a human shield for whenever I felt like being the only black friend for my white friends. I felt like I was a a racism defense attorney. Whenever Mm -hmm. any of them got in trouble for any race shit, that it was like tag me in and be like, if I'm such a racist, why is Alice friends with me? Then I'd have to like finish the fight that they started. Oh. Oh, oh yeah or like a racism character witness like <laughs> that's if you're the only black person in a group that's your job that mm-hmm. is and you don't get paid mm-hmm. you have to constantly defend them from accusations of racism until you decide that you know maybe you don't need to fuck with these co-workers after work anymore
1: right but then like the minute you need something like they're just poof, into oh, yeah. the wind into the winds, they're gone Either they can't help, or they want to like condescendingly explain to you why it's not a problem. It's not racism. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My God, this is no. Yeah. So there's this idea that's kind of been percolating in white America for the past I don't know 400 years or so. um, That like to them, racism is a zero
2: sum game. Either I hate them all, or I hate none of them. And it's like there's the saying, "One of the good ones," because you have all these stereotypes about black people that you apply to the larger group, and then you meet them one on one in person at your work, whatever, and you see that this one doesn't line up with the stereotypes. So this is good, but the rest of them still, mm-hmm. you know, you can't extend it to the rest of them. Yeah. And it's like you're still a horrible racist, even though you have some black people that fuck with you, probably on a very, very, very small scale. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're not I, I tried the- to. I try to tell, like, honestly, I try to tell white people. like, if a black person hasn't invited you into their home, they don't consider you to be their friend. <laughs> like, that's it. that's it. That's That's the rule. If you haven't been invited over to dinner, you are not actually a friend.
2: I used to, uh, I, just to be mean as like a joke, I would say to people, just so you know, the person that you call your best friend just calls you friend. And I feel like, with a lot of these white people they are like, I have a black friend. I'm like, they're not running around
1: telling anyone that you're their friend. No, you have a black colleague. You have a yeah. black neighbor. You don't have mm-hmm. a black friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like very much in the ether that proximity to black people, people of color is somehow equal to not being racist, right? Like, yeah. because this person is in my presence, because I haven't lynched them or gone into just like a spittle flexed." haranguing white rage, like at their existence, somehow that proves that like, I am not a racist,
2: you know? Yeah. And there it's actually so racist to say, I have a black friend because what you're doing is using your quote, many quotes around black friend as a human shield. Yeah. You've hurt someone else. Most likely you've hurt another person of color. And in order to sort of take the wind out of the sails of their argument, you grab your other person of color friend and just hold them up and say, no, 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 no. Don't you even try that shit instead of allowing yourself to be held accountable for having hurt somebody.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think what's really interesting is, is like white people very intuitively understand that like you can have a teacher who said something to you in second grade that still fucking stings, right? Like you can have a best friend who betrayed you as like a little, little kid and that still is really hurtful or like a parent who made like an offhand comment that was just like really cutting. So being white people know that being close to someone does not, it's not proof of like kindness or tolerance or acceptance or approval, right? It's just being close to them. It doesn't mean that you're equals, So I I think like white people conceptually understand that, but again, I think that like you and I, and any person of color is seen as like a product to them, right? Like you said, we're seen as like an object, a shield, Mm -hmm. um, and not like a human being.
2: Yeah. It's not extended to us at all. And I think because there's this massive, massive defensiveness with white Americans, about being called racist because to them they think that it's like a scarlet letter that if someone says you just did something racist that really hurt me they feel like that's something they have to wear for the rest of their lives when they could just treat it like it's not a big deal and say i apologize i didn't mean to hurt you and you know i i'm i want to know why what i said hurt you i don't understand why what i said hurt you i will listen to you what you have to say it doesn't have to be this huge thing but they just they can't let that racism like take an inch
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well and and this is like I'm sure we'll get to this in another episode but the the whole idea of like whiteness as innocence right like my my intentions my intentions are what what matter here um well I'll get into that a little bit later
2: (laughs) It's no fuck. All right, I'll save my thing for later too. If we're okay. gonna come
1: back to it, <laughs> yeah, we are. Don't worry, <laughs> okay. don't worry. Um, I think that like one of the most kind of poignant examples to me historically is uh, like Thomas Jefferson it was like he was very close to a black lady, soups close, and like literally kept his fucking children as like slaves. Yeah. It like
2: means nothing.
1: Right. Having black kids does not make you not a racist. It doesn't yes. even make you not a slave owner, apparently. <laughs> like,
2: having, having black kids does not mean you're not a racist. And I'm saying that from very, very, very personal experience. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think that I like actually like Thomas Jefferson proved that proximity has nothing to do with protection. Right, it has nothing to oh, do no, with with comfort or care or love or seeing someone as as a full human being. Right, like yeah. he spent twenty thirty years like raping this poor girl.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and it was all rape because she didn't have a choice. Like, yeah. full stop. Like you can no argue option. you can argue all day about like oh well people got married back then he he didn't marry her for one fuckers and two like if you if there's no consent by one party ever that's called rape. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. no, I'm not sorry. Fuck yourself. Um, like and he just he that's what
2: your white homework merch needs to be is a t-shirt that says I'm not sorry fuck yourself
1: (laughs) I know I I have this t-shirt saved on my on my phone that says maybe you suck (laughs) like yep um but yeah like him being close like in close proximity to these black people that were his family biologically didn't prevent him from dehumanizing them. And I think, yeah, like another example is like transracial adoptees or like Mm -hmm. anyone who has a kid of color, any white parent who has a kid of color, really.
2: And I feel like, I mean, the way that that kind of translates into now, it's like black people, we know that they need more assistance in life than white people do in
1: America. In what way? What do you mean? You need to Um, unpack that.
2: I mean, just like the police are on us, society's on us, our bosses are on us. We're never allowed to be angry. We're mm-hmm. always seen as the aggressor. Mm-hmm. We need people in our corner because we've been trying to fight this ourselves for a long time and we need allyship.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
2: being in close proximity to a Black person does not mean that they are benefiting in any way from you being closer to them. And you actually might be hurting them unintentionally in a lot of ways.
1: hmm yeah.
2: And yeah, so if absolutely. you don't want to do that, which I assume if they're listening to this podcast, they want to make sure they're not doing that. It starts with listen, listening. It starts with empathy. It starts with you working on you and not you treating every black person that you run into. Like this is a free teacher who will explain all of this race shit mm-hmm. to me for free. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like,
2: oh, if I'm friends with a black person, that means that I can't be racist. They would explain. And it's like, I've had so many white friends ask me like, is this racist? And before they even finish the sentence, I always say probably because the number of times where some white person has said to me, is this racist? And I've been like, no, is about fucking zero. <laughs>
1: Just, yeah. If you have to ask the question,
2: we're already there.
1: Yeah. We're, yeah. Just go ahead and drop it. Just yep. Don't do it.
2: <laughs> also, you can keep all of those embarrassing questions between you and Google. I'm just mm-hmm. a, su- a mm-hmm. suggestion. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's very true. Um, I think that like another another like way that this plays out in in society and culture is missionaries who go to these remote places, like white privileged missionaries who go to these remote places where local people do not want them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like a perfect kind of distillation of this idea that proximity actually can cause harm instead of mitigating it, which I think white people don't understand that their presence can cause harm because of the power yeah. differential. Yeah. Um, and it's I mean, why... It's like, volunteerism as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like long-term missions or volunteerism.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like There's actually a white, a white woman uh, who was facing criminal charges because uh, she was evangelical and she was, uh, I think she was a nursing student and she just dropped out and left and went to Africa and was running a hospital with no medical training. Mm-hmm. And she thought she was benefiting this group of people by just by being there. And she yeah. wasn't like kids needed who needed proper care were not
1: receiving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think she's only facing charges in Uganda where she was fake practicing medicine. Like, I don't even think she's facing charges here because in the U.S. it's not illegal to kill a hundred Ugandan babies. No. So. Anyway, yeah, she can also go fuck herself. <laughs> um, but On yeah, the one
2: hand, I feel a little sympathy because I was delusional enough in Christianity to have totally done some shit like that. The first thing I a,
1: thought- To start a clinic and rule Uganda. <laughs> the
2: first thing I thought when I read that article was like, oh, fuck, this could have been me. I could have totally been like, Jesus will tell me exactly what medical shit to do, and I'll just save all of these poor people.
1: hmm Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, Glad to be out of religion anyway.
1: Yeah, the, no, the internalized like white savior complex, right? That like mm-hmm. my presence is a like saving force. Yeah. in this space, and then like that's I think that part of that is like because it's so enmeshed in whiteness that you can't extract the white saviorness yes. from it. That um,
2: trying your best is good enough, even if mm-hmm. it's harmful, and mm-hmm. that's
1: simply not because true. because whiteness gets to decide what is and isn't harm. Mm -hmm. that's always been the purpose of whiteness is that, well, you're not fully human. So you don't actually know if this is harmful to you or not.
2: Yeah. Um, You need me to explain it. mm -hmm. Let me show you the full picture. Right. Yeah. I'm the arbiter in this situation.
1: Um, And I think like any, I think that you actually bring up a really good point of like, oh yeah, we could have been like, Absolutely. Like we had internalized like white saviorism, like when we were in religion. Um, I think any situation where you can come in and like force or attempt to force some kind of outcome that you want, regardless of like the needs or wants of the other parties by using your power, your privilege, like that's what, this is what I'm talking about when I'm trying to like get to like the point of whiteness is not inherently like a saving helping force.
2: Yeah. You have to think like, if you've said, or you feel like I have a black friend, so I'm okay. Ask yourself, honestly, what have I done racially, like in racial terms, what have I done to make their life better? What have I done to alleviate mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. racism that I know that they face? And if mm-hmm. the answer is nothing, then they're probably not even calling you friend.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a good point. I've never even thought about that. I I love that though. Like be, if you can say like, I materially support my black friend when they, need help, right? My, or my mm-hmm. black colleague, mm-hmm. right? Who gets like pulled into the manager's office and blamed for everything that everyone else is doing. Yeah, are you sticking like, up for them? Right, yeah, exactly. Or are you just trying to protect your privilege because
2: reason Right now, the black person is providing you the service of allowing you to tell everyone that you're not racist, but what is this black person getting to tell their friends about you? What what service have you provided for them? This friendship is very uneven,
1: Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to be in their corner. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is like something that I see a lot of white people really bristle at is the idea of like black only spaces or like Latinx only spaces or queer only spaces for like heterosexual whites, which whatever, fuck them. Um, <laughs> why did I say that? I have no idea. Is <laughs> <laughs> like... Um, That, like, they because they are so clumsy with the issue of race, you have this amazing Martin Luther King quote that I have written down somewhere. But because they believe that they have nothing to learn when it comes to race, like, white people have convinced themselves that they have nothing to learn, that they're already professionals when it comes to race and racism. White people really almost always bristle at the idea of there being, like, a Black-only space or a Latinx-only space or an Indigenous-only space. And they, like, go and cry their little white tears on Fox News about, like, safe spaces and how, like, they, you know, they have a right to be in any space that they want to be in. Um, you know, and just really, truly failing to understand the impact of, like, the power dynamic there right? Where Mm -hmm. it's like a white person coming into a space is kind of automatically in charge, like de facto, the the one that's running the group. Mm -hmm. Um, I always That's what they believe, right? That's what they've been told. And Mm -hmm. that's what they've heard in history books for, you know, the 16 years that they were in school, was that like the white person comes in and they're the boss. Yeah. And I, I think that like, we really, we really kind of come up against this idea of like, just being able to take a break from whiteness is so underrated.
2: White people who complain about Black people who quote-unquote call everything racist, which by the way, racist thing to say, ironically, (laughs) uh, but white people who complain about Black people who call everything racist, I really, really, really wish that they could understand how much shit we just let slide. Mm -hmm. How much on a regular basis... Just to not because we know if I stop and say that's actually insensitive, I will be considered the one who caused the problem and not the white person who said something insensitive. Mm-hmm, and one yeah. thing that just blows my mind is the idea that white people hold that they will accidentally say something racist. Impossible. You said something that you meant, you saw everyone's faces kind of cringe, and then you said, No, 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 I get a do over. Uh-huh. And then you didn't say, say, say like that. the opposite. And it, no, you said something and and white people are, they're never held accountable because of this idea that they accidentally said something racist. You said something that you meant. And because when people say African-American studies class, you laugh because Mm -hmm. you think there's no reason that you would have to learn anything about racism Mm -hmm. because you've never taken the time to learn about racism. Mm -hmm. You have ingested so much of it. A little bit of it came out. It hurt some people around you. You said what you meant. Yeah. That no accident happened here. You thought about saying something and then those words came out of your mouth.
1: Mm-hmm. There was no accident. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a very common uh, non-apology that white people give, right? Yeah. The other yeah. one is like, this isn't who I really am. How many of there are you, Karen? Yeah, what for are you fuck's sh- sake. This isn't who I really am. Who are you? Where did you lose yourself? What is happening? Oh
2: uh, my gosh. What's, there, was just the, there was just the Twitter beef between the famous chefs, the famous girl chefs got into like a fight. and oh, Chrissy uh,
1: Teigen and, and yeah. the other woman. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even,
2: oh. She <laughs> I said, said I in her apology, I've never, I, I've never been the woman that goes up against other women. Like I'm always on other women's team. And it's like, you can't say that when we can all see that you just weren't on Mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. like you can't say mm-hmm. I'm not racist if I just saw you be racist like that's like if you pulled $20 out of my pocket put it in your pocket and then said I'm not a thief nigga I just saw you be one
1: okay <laughs> yeah well the same thing happened the- yesterday with Lana Del Rey where she posts up this like she names all these like black
2: self-delicate and all the black women strong
1: Right. She, it, well, it also, like, implied that they all sing about abuse because, and, and because they sing about abuse, they're glorifying it. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, yeah, I came back and was like, I wasn't talking about white women. I was talking about delicate women. Go fuck yourself. And it's like, again, it's like, they don't, I, I think this comes back to, like, they don't view us as women, which is where, like, intersectionality comes in, right? Yeah. Is that you think you can make these comments about, oh, I'm not talking about white women. I'm talking about delicate women. And this, yeah, this idea that, uh, They they did a, they
2: took like a, like a study, like a survey of doctors and found that a whole lot of them thought that black people have a higher pain tolerance than white people do. Mm, Yeah. And so when I was reading that Lana Del Rey shit, I was like, oh yeah, this is just an idea of like, these black women are tougher than you and you're just a delicate, sensitive little flower that's feeling very sad right now because you had some criticism as if Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, Beyonce, as if these women haven't faced a fuck ton of criticism in their lives. Beyonce sang a song where she had some Black Panther costumes at the Super Bowl. You don't think she faced a fuck ton of criticism for that? You don't she's think not, she's faced? that? But she's a, not
1: delicate, so... A thousand she, times
2: more criticism than you for your able, stupid songs? She
1: was able to bounce back because she's not delicate like I am. She's tough. Delray is dating a cop. Oh, okay. I'm not even going to talk about this. Moving on. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. So I think that when it comes down to like this friend proximity alibi thing that like white people use, it's really, I very recently got just extremely angry at like the amount of time and energy and cash that like you and I and people, all people of color waste engaging with white people who have like no loyalty on their need for like bumper sticker declarations of morality and not racism. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I have spent so much energy on these people. I've spent so much cash on these people, like going out to get drinks or coffee or whatever. Like I have spent so much time with these people who would never fucking stand up for me. Right. Like if if their white neighbor said something racist to me,
2: Oh, like, let it go. Wouldn't... He's old, right. you know.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what they would say. They would white, never white stand
2: Americans up. Americans think that racism is simply a bad opinion to hold and not actual violence that causes harm.
1: Right. And right. For
2: when I said like, I wish that white people understood how much shit that black people let slide. Understand that your one black friend has heard you say and do many things. That they chose to just let slide because the friendship on their end isn't in a place where they can come to you and gently say, or firmly say, you did something hurtful. Mm -hmm. And if both parties cannot come together and say, you hurt me in this way, but I still love you. You hurt me in that way, but I still love you. You're not friends.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that white people just like so frequently fail to realize that like the bull in the china shop kind of like they're the bull we're the china shop and it's not Mm -hmm. to say like we're breakable or delicate it's that there's 10,000 other fucking bulls we've had to deal with this week alone yeah right so it's like sometimes it's not you sometimes you're just the one that like you're like okay I can't sometimes we're just like, okay, you know what? I'm done. I'm fucking done with this. Like I'm fucking done with you wasting my time. I'm fucking done with like being your human shield to protect you against like racism. I'm done with like you bumping into me and like just battering me and acting like I'm not a real person because I, you know, I have a higher pain tolerance and I have thicker skin and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not delicate. It's like, no, I'm actually like more damaged than you are because I have to deal with, all of these people, all these interactions that are causing harm in small ways and large ways on a daily basis.
2: I have an analogy that I've kind of been thinking about for a while and maybe you'll disagree with it, but I, I don't, yeah, like you said, like, it's not because black people are weak or delicate or like breakable. Mm -hmm. It's, I I look at it more as like, we, we have a broken leg. That's not a reflection of weakness. That's not a reflection of a reflection of failure something has hurt us. Mm-hmm. And those are our circumstances and our circumstances don't make us weak. Mm-hmm. But they, they like it, it has happened and it does need to be considered.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And one thing that I want to say about, I feel like I've said one thing I want to say like 60 times. Uh, <laughs> Katy Perry, she had her, I think like this is how we do it music video where she was kind of using all these like black themes that she didn't really, no one really caught on to mm-hmm. other than black people. Mm-hmm who are like, this is all kind of stuff from our culture that's been put in this music video. And yet there's no black people in this music video for the most part. Mm -hmm. And she sat down and she was talking to someone about being called racist. And she said, it's so much easier for me to change my behavior when it's not being screamed at me, when it's not being yelled at me, when it's Mm -hmm. being said, it's so much easier for me to ingest it when it's being said nicely. Mm -hmm. And a lot of white people feel that if mm-hmm. they do something racist, quote unquote, accidentally, when it's not accidentally, it's just absentmindedly, right. um, they want a gentle approach of correction. And to mm-hmm. that, I have to say like, doing something racist or sexist, or mm-hmm. uh, homophobic, or transphobic yeah. to somebody, yeah, it's like running over their foot with your car. It makes no difference whether you did it on purpose, or on accident, or as a joke. It hurts exactly the same. Uh-huh. And they might say, hey, I know you weren't paying attention, but you really hurt me back there. Or they might say, fuck you, asshole. Watch where the fuck you're going. And both of those responses are correct.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Be- yeah. And, and going back to your broken leg analogy, like it's, it's not like, Oh, my leg is broken. Like I, I need assistance. And they're like, well, why the fuck can't you run this? Like yeah. 800 meter race? Why aren't you yeah. winning? I thought you were the strongest. Mm-hmm. It's like, Can you see my leg, bro? Like you broke yeah. it.
2: <laughs> the shit has been shattered for a while. I'm on fucking crutches here. Right.
1: <laughs> and it's just like this really, it's this really interesting dynamic of like how white people really fail to understand that they bring their whiteness into the room with them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The white people just have this intrinsic belief in their own unracialized existence. Yeah. Right? Where everyone else is a race and they're neutral, they're mm-hmm. human, they're people, whenever everyone else is black people whenever, or brown people or whatever. Whenever white people say
2: we have no culture, that's their way of saying we are normal and everyone else is weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What we do absolutely. it's like
2: Asian people taking their shoes off before they go into the house is not only the correct thing to do because the bottom of your shoes is disgusting, but it's also, that's their culture. Your culture is, white culture is walking around all day through streets and sidewalks that drunk girls have peed on and homeless people have vomited on and then walking those same exact shoes all the way up to your bedroom before you take them off. That's not the absence of culture. That is simply your culture.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I think that the the, the function of whiteness ultimately is to erase itself, mm-hmm. right? So that there's nothing to fight back against because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um,
2: they can't be all grouped together because they're all so different. They're all individuals, but we are a group. Mm-hmm. And it's like the reason why we consider ourselves a group and white people don't consider often consider themselves a group, mm-hmm. is because we have to consider ourselves a group for protection. We understand that someone else who looks like us is also going through the same shit that we've mm-hmm. experienced. Yeah. Whereas white people don't feel that connection with each other because it's just like a privilege
1: of mm-hmm. the, individuality. Yeah, right? life it's like this. Yeah, exactly. It's this hyper individualistic kind of way to move through the world, which again contributes to just stupid or inadvertent or absent-minded like harm coming to yeah. us when you are in our proximity. And um,
2: one thing I want to say that you touched on earlier about equating whiteness with delicateness
0: mm-hmm. or
2: innocence, yeah. um, that's so infuriating. And you can see it literally in white pop stars because when they first kind of start out, their skin is very pale most of the time. And then when they do the album of like I'm over 18 now, I'm gonna sing about sex now, they all darken their skin, they all get that that tan, mm-hmm. and some of them just like wear it all the time to the point where you thought they were a different race from the jump, and then find it like find out later that they're actually just white, but they darken their skin to represent like that they're like sexy and like you know dirty and like whatever. And it's like, that's so infuriating to those of us who don't have the option of lightening our skin to show that we're innocent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think like, this is, I, I guess I really have one more thing to say before we like kind of start to wrap this up. But yeah, like the whole idea of like, it, it's the innocence is a big one, excuse me. Um, And like being delicate. I mean, I think that a, a perfect example of this is, is I think, Carol Bryant, the woman who falsely accused um Emmett Till of whistling at her or touching mm-hmm. her body and like had a child brutally murdered and admitted to it later, she's never fucking faced charges. She's never no. been dragged before a jury because no. white women are inherently innocent and delicate. Mm-hmm. We can't, oh, she's too old. We can't we can't drag her through all of this. Yeah. Like when
2: George H.W. Bush was uh, accused of, like, groping women in pictures for years and years, uh, everyone was like, oh, he's he's an old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Should we let it slide? Shall we? Shall we let it go? He's just an old man. Oh, his intentions were... No, He's you know he's not getting any of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not comparing what the two of them did. I'm just... Right, right. Absolutely. Morgan Freeman could be, a, you know, do some shit, and people aren't going to just be like, oh, well, he's
1: he's just an old guy. Mm -hmm. Things were different back then. Um, so I, I guess to wrap up, um, what, what are we going to say to white people who want to take responsibility for their whiteness and ownership and not, not be like the bull in the China shop, like constantly like blowing us over with their whiteness and acting like it's our fault. Um, most of the, most of the, um, White people who are listening want to do better, right? Mm. And so, trying to explain to them, okay, this is like how your behavior impacts us. But the homework piece of it, like, what do you do differently? I think we've touched on a lot of it already. Like listening, yeah. listening to Black people and believing what we say. I questioning our experiences.
2: I've had enough for us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I've had a few white friends. And when I say a few, I mean like maybe two or three in my whole life. Mm -hmm. Tell me if I do something that is like harmful to you. They've seen me cut out other people for doing harmful racial shit that Mm – I know that the person that I cut out doesn't know what they did wrong, but I don't have the energy or the desire to explain it. I just have mm-hmm. to remove myself from a harmful situation. Right. So I'll occasionally have a really good white friend who says like, hey, if I do something that hurts you, I don't want you to just remove yourself from the situation. Please let me know what I did wrong.
1: Yeah.
2: And that simple openness to correction mm-hmm. is enough to where I wouldn't cut them out. I yeah. know I can go to them and say, hey, you did something racist without them being like, but I'm not, I voted for Obama. My mom's cousin is, you know, like none mm-hmm. of that shit. Yeah. A simple openness to correction. And you can sense it. It's like when someone, it's like when you're at a bar and you're trying to figure out whether or not you want to fuck someone and they want to fuck you. <laughs> you're like, they're not going to have to sit down and say, I would like to have sex afterwards. You can tell by the vibe. Black right. people can tell by the vibe whether you're open to correction. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and, and whether like that's something you're interested in, and that's just the little moments of defensiveness that sneak mm-hmm. up in anything. Mm-hmm. You have to be on top of those moments as a white person, or else you are sending very clear signals to your quote unquote black friend that they can't come to you with race related shit. Mm-hmm. And right. if I can't talk to you about every part of my life, we're not actually friends. You're just someone I'm nice to because it's easier than not talking to you.
1: hmm. Yeah absolutely and you know I think that like the the kind of common reactions in those conversations are like the like white woman tears and the defensiveness and like you have to be able to like not only apologize for the racist thing you did but apologize for your reaction when I told you it was racist Mm -hmm. right because you're trying to make it about you again because it's about your feelings it's about what you meant to do and so yeah Understand, Understand
2: that your sadness about having done something racist is nowhere near the pain that I feel for having experienced something racist. Mm-hmm. So keep your sadness to yourself. Don't put yeah. it on me. Yeah. I'm not going to comfort you for having done something racist to me. We'll <laughs> yeah. have to process those emotions on your own.
1: Yeah. Like you have white friends that you can go and talk to, go talk to them when you need to process that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I get it. There is like a lot of shame when you get called out for stuff, like I, you know, I've been called out by other people of color for stuff. And yeah, oh, I get, same, I, I get, I get like, yeah, it's like, and it oh, sucks. It
2: hurts. You didn't mean it. Like, it's Right. Shit.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But it's like, also like, I'm going to, I'm going to, because my, like my own personal, like morality, my own personal ethic, like I'm not going to fight with people of color unless they're advocating for harmful racist policies. Mm-hmm. um, So like, I, I'm very much like immediately throw up the white flag like I'm sorry I was wrong even if I don't think I was wrong like I did this on Twitter a couple of days ago where I was like trying to make a fucking joke and somebody was like well you know you're really ignoring like black Christians when you're saying this it, which was true but again I like I was trying to make a joke mm-hmm. but uh yeah I was like okay you know I tried to explain myself it didn't go anywhere it actually was making things worse and I didn't want it to turn into like an argument. So I was just like, you know what? I'm, you're right. I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm Sorry. And it was like, I don't it's think I was wrong. Right. I don't think I, I don't, and I still don't think I was wrong. Like it was a fucking joke, but like, yeah, it was a joke that ignored a lot of history because it was a tweet, but mm-hmm. I still I would rather like keep the peace. And not right? be harmful. And not people. be harmful. It's yeah. It's not worth it. I've told so many people
2: because I'm a comedian and I talk to a lot of other open mic comics. hmm I've had to tell so many people, I know that you don't mean that joke, but it's not worth the harm that it's going, the laugh that it gets isn't worth the harm that it's going to cause.
1: Yeah. That's not
2: an even trade.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like why people need to realize it's like, if I'm not bringing something positive to this relationship, I'm only taking, right. If I'm not going to intentionally like check my privilege or leverage my privilege to support my friend's like I'm taking far more than I'm giving this person. Yeah. And I need to see myself out of this relationship because again, like you're, if you're, even if you're just wasting my time or wasting my money or like wasting my energy, like that's, that's still harm. Right. Cause we're not equals. Like I can, we can, sure. We can go out and get drinks. We can go out and get coffee, but we're not equals. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the power dynamic there. I'm never going to be a white woman. I'm never going to be a cis white man. Like it's not, it's not equal. So, yeah. um, I think that understanding that I think like white friends who like want to do the work, like you need to come to the table understanding that functionally you are wasting our time and money and energy, right? If you're not <laughs> going to, if you're not going to st- stand up for us, if you're not going to support. Yeah. Us. So,
2: yeah. And we have to, like, we, we need, we need that level of the friendship. There has to be like the Racial recognition level of the friendship, or else it's not really a real friendship. Yeah, because like absolutely. the reason why all these pop stars get these like you know really really heavy you know tans on when they're putting out their album now that they're nineteen to signal that they're no longer innocent is because that's a signal that this entire country recognizes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: because yep. they have already equated dark skin with no not being innocent.
1: <laughs> oh my god, the signal yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Dude. Alice, Twirty. where can, where can people find you on Jesus Christ's holy internet? Uh, I'm on Al Gore's internet at, uh,
2: uh, Alice R. Hamilton on Twitter. And my Instagram is M I S S Alice Hamilton, Miss Alice Hamilton. Hey,
1: uh, do you have a website? <laughs> i don't i i'll get one eventually right now <laughs> okay sweet, no, sweet. Not <laughs> um you can find me tori at white homework on twitter and instagram um and you can find white homework patreon pop over there support it um at www.whitehomework.com it's all very streamlined very simple um Let's see, what else do we have? Our amazing art was done by the multi-talented Slade Sundar. You can check out his work. And yeah, I think that, that I think that's it for the show. Yo. I Peace. Bye.
0: White homework is a Coba.fm production. Your host is Tori Williams Douglas. Executive producers are Jeff Martin and Nate Frazier. Produced by Jillian Cohan Martin. Audio production and editing by Nash Propst. Music by Kay Solace. For additional resources on White Homework, please visit whitehomework.com. For more information on other COBA podcasts, please visit coba.fm. That's cob dot F-M. Thanks for listening. Yes. Mm-hmm.